Welcome to the Southside Sermons Podcast. I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church, located in Decatur, Alabama. This message you're about to hear is from God's Word and is offered to you with this prayer that God would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey His Word. May your faith be strengthened in Jesus, and may you grow in your knowledge of Him. I want you to think with me for a moment about a memorable, unique day in your life. Perhaps it was the best day of your life, the birth of a child, a wedding day, a baptism. Maybe it was the worst day of your life, the loss of a loved one, the day you received news of a life-changing diagnosis, failing to achieve something that you've worked very hard for. Can you remember such a day? And if I were to ask you, could you even tell me the date, month, day, and year? These days are unique and memorable for us because the events of these days are special and they will not be repeated. They are one of a kind. There was and will be no day like it. This day described in Joshua chapter 10 was such a day. God's word says in Joshua chapter 10 verse 14 that there has been no day like it. But the reason that this day is unique is different than what we might first think. This is the day the sun stood still. The day the sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day a miraculous display of God's power as the almighty creator of the universe, pausing the setting of the sun for a day. If you have a problem believing that God can cause the rotation of the earth to stop so that the sun does not set, if that messes with your scientific understanding, it should because this cannot be explained by a work of science. Miracles only have one explanation, God. Miracles cannot be explained by science or anything else. This is why they are called miracles. This is the work of God who created science, who created the sun and moon and planets by merely speaking them into existence. We believe this by faith. It is the work of God who sustains the movements of the heavens by his word. And the creator can do whatever he wants to do with what he has created without breaking any laws of nature because the laws of nature belong to him anyway. If a day is a 24-hour period of time the time that it takes for the earth to turn on its axis, the time it takes to watch sunrise to sunrise, then in this regard, there was no day like it when the sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. But as amazing as that miracle is, with all the focus that it receives, God's word invites us to look deeper. According to God's word, it was not 
the movement of the sun that made this day unique. Joshua chapter 10, verse 14 again. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Every miracle has a meaning. Every miracle has an explanation, and the explanation of every miracle is found in God himself. And it is not what God did with the Son as much as it is why God did what he did with the Son. It gets the attention of the scriptures. God, the Lord, listened to the voice of a man. What this means is that God obeyed the voice of a man. And that is shocking. That is what made this day so unique and that is why the scripture says there is no day like it. The miraculous power of God was witnessed when the petition of man in faith aligned with the will of God for his glory and for his people. I'll say that again. The miraculous power of God was witnessed when the petition of man in faith aligned with the will of God for his glory, for his people. Church, the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims that such an alignment of man's petitions and God's will exists today in Christ. How is it that our petitions and our requests are aligned with God's will? How is it that God's power is witnessed in answer to our petitions? The answer is what Joshua chapter 10 points us to, and it's the power of prayer. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15 says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Joshua chapter 10, verses one through five, tell us of the event that led up to this unique day. If you have your Bible, look with me at Joshua 10, one through two. As soon as Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly. Because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, because it was greater than Ai and all its men were warriors. Now, this king of Jerusalem is named Adonai Zedek. His name means, my Lord is righteous, or my Lord is Zedek. His name alone is important because his name draws reference to his God, his idol. 
the Lord is not for him. His Lord is not the Lord, the living God of Israel. For him, his Lord is my Lord, Zedek. My Lord, lowercase l, who is righteous. The very reason Israel was commanded to devote the inhabitants of this land to destruction was because of the gods in that land, the idols in that land. This is what the Lord had said to Moses in Exodus 23. I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. When we hear about Joshua and Israel going to battle and defeating the inhabitants of the land, we should take a deeper look and understand that there is a simultaneous battle of different forces at work as well. It is God, the Lord, destroying God's idols. Israel represents the living God. The inhabitants of the land represent a multitude of false gods and idols. So when Israel defeats Adonai Zedek, what is really happening is that the Lord is, through Israel, showing himself to be the righteous one, not whatever little God they call righteous. Whatever battle you are engaged in personally, whatever battle we as the church are engaged in together, that battle, that wrestling always says more about who God is than who we are. What is physical represents something spiritual. What I'm trying to say is spiritual warfare is real. Listen to what Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 says. For we, that's us, do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Attacks will come through flesh and blood, but our enemy is never flesh and blood. Our enemy, our enemy is spiritual. Our enemy is spiritual force, forces of evil in heavenly places. Adonai Zedek heard what Joshua had done and verse two says, he feared greatly. Now enemies only fear if they have a reason to fear. The same is true of our spiritual enemies. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places only fear if they have a reason to, if we are making waves for God's kingdom. Acts chapter 19 tells us about seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva who were invoking the name of the Lord Jesus over evil spirits. And Acts chapter 19 verse 15 says, but the evil spirit answered them, 
Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. But who are you? Who are you? These evil spirits did not recognize the sons of Sceva. They had not made waves for the kingdom as Jesus and Paul had. Adrian Rogers once said that if the church is not in collision with the devil, they're in collusion with him. And what he means by that is if we as Christians or if we as the church are not experiencing spiritual attacks, we're not making waves. We're not colliding with the devil, moving in opposite directions, but we're moving in the same direction. We're not being noticed by the enemy. The enemy does not fear us. When this thing that we call church is made all about us and our preferences and our comfort and our methods, the enemy can focus somewhere else because a church like that won't make waves. It's not a concern. It's nothing to be afraid of. But when this thing that we call church is made all about God, based on God's word and God's ways, when the preacher says, I'm preaching God's word, when the church takes prayer seriously, when the membership are held accountable for living what they say they believed, then the enemy begins to take notice and it doesn't matter how many people are in a church that size, that church will begin to make waves. This is why strength and courage are required of leaders that's why the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. But as we just sang in that song, it's also required of the people for all of us to be strong and courageous together because leaders are not the only ones who are susceptible to the attacks of the enemy, but so are you. And so this is why what this we do together as a church, we do together, bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another, guarding and protecting one another so that in the Lord, we might all stand together. Adonai Zedek was fearful, but Joshua was making waves, advancing God's glory in this promised land. Look with me now, Joshua chapter 10, verses three through eight. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, come up to me and help me and let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal saying, do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us, verse seven. So Joshua went up from Gilgal 
he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. This is the first time that the Lord speaks since chapter eight, verse 18. God does not speak at all in chapter nine. And when God breaks his silence, his first words are these words that are repeated so often through the scriptures. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Chapter 10 of Joshua records more of what God does than what Joshua does. And the first thing God does is to speak. And I wanna highlight for you these works of the Lord and what he does. So first, verse eight says, the Lord said, the Lord said, and that's a good word for us too, as the church. We have God's written word, and we may find confidence in hearing and knowing what God has said, and we can act upon it in faith. This is why I pray. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to obey. We can act upon what God's word says in confidence. Do not fear them, the Lord says, for I have given them into your hands. This tells us right away that this battle belongs not to Joshua, not to Israel, but to the Lord. This battle will represent his name, his glory, his righteousness. Look at verses nine and 10. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. Verse 10 is our next clue. The Lord threw them into a panic before Israel. That's what the Lord does next after speaking. The Lord is the one responsible for this victory, not Joshua. Verse 11, as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Haran, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Verse 11 says, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven. This is the Lord, again, responsible for this victory, not Israel. Verses 12 through 14. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord and the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aizalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Church, verse 12 says the Lord gave. 
The Lord gave the Amorites over into their hands. And verse 14 says, the Lord heeded or listened to the voice of a man. So here are the things that the Lord did. The Lord said, verse eight, the Lord threw them into a panic, verse 10. The Lord threw down large stones from heaven, verse 11. The Lord gave, verse 12. The Lord heeded, verse 14. Whose battle was this? Joshua's? Israel's? No, it was the Lord's. Whose battle are we fighting, church? The Lord's. Let us not fight battles of our own creations. Let us not fight one another, flesh and blood, over things that divide. Let's gear up and fight for what already belongs to the Lord, knowing that our victory is secure in him. Let's kick in the gates of hell that will never prevail. God's word tells us that the shocking, miraculous uniqueness of this day was not that the sun stood still, if that weren't amazing enough, but that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. The Lord heeded the voice of Joshua. When in verse 12, it says, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord. This sermon is less about the sun, S-U-N, and is all about the Son, S-O-N. This text is all about Jesus. There was no day like it until Jesus. This text points us to Jesus. When Jesus, our Joshua, our Savior, became human. Jesus, who is God, became a man born in human flesh so that he might speak to the Lord on our behalf as our way, as our example. Jesus makes today and every day unique in this way. Jesus said in John 17, eight and nine, for I have given them the words, he's praying to the Father, I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. The them is his disciples. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He prays for us. Jesus prayed to the Father for you and the Father listened. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before his death, Jesus knelt and prayed, showing what it means for man's will to align with God's will. He said in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed to the Father, and the Father listened. On the cross, when Jesus died, Jesus prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed to the Father, and the Father listened. And when darkness was over the whole land, and the sun's light failed, the scripture says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, 
Jesus called out to the Father again, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the Father listened. And should we think that the Son standing still in the heavens is a miracle? Think about the miracle and the power when God spoke to the stone that stood still over Jesus' tomb and said, move. That stone moved. And think of when God said, not to the son, but to his son, Jesus, whose body lay still in that tomb. Rise, and Jesus rose, and being raised in power, walked out of that tomb. So that we may say, of this day and every day, forever in Jesus, that there is no day like it. There is no day like this day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is a resurrection day because Jesus is alive and present with us right now in this room and wherever you are watching at home. This is the day where we may boldly draw near to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. This is the day that we might pray as Jesus taught us to pray those words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. We can pray to the Father and the Father will listen because of Jesus Christ. And this is why, again, we can say of today and every day in Jesus, there is no day like it. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish His purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of His Word. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.